Welcome to Economics and Beyond. I'm Rob Johnson, president of the Institute for New Economic Thinking. Say you can kill my body. But you know you can't mess with my mind. So don't you can't kill my mind. You know we'll go away. We're gonna go away. Come back, come back, come back, come back. My second time. I'm here today with my friend Tito Borieri, who is the scientific director of the Trento Economic Festival and has been an extraordinary scientific director for many years. And he is a professor at Bocconi University. We've worked together uh, between Einhut and his leadership for many, many years. And I find this festival exciting. I wish it were in person because it's one of the delightful experiences I have each year. But this year, again, we're going to speak online. And I want to, first of all, thank you for joining me today to discuss things. And thank you for all that work that you do putting on that extraordinary festival each year. Thank you, Rob. No, thank you. Thank you for all your contribution to the Festival of Economics. Over the years, uh, you have been a wonderful partner and you have been uh, allowing us to have in Trento excellent speakers and uh, uh, very important contributions that have reached the festival to a large extent. And my only regret today is that you are not with me and uh, <laughs> you are not in presence together in Trento. But I know that it will happen very soon. Yeah, and the other thing we always enjoyed is you've created space for us to have a Young Scholars Initiative meeting and gathering, and some of them get nice front row seats for the Q&A with some of the main speakers, and that's been a, a, another element of, uh, of joy and success that uh, you've afforded us. Indeed, indeed. The person that uh, I was saying about the speakers, about uh, the uh, Nobel laureate and the uh, uh, wonderful uh, uh, you know, colleagues that uh, you have been able to, to bring to, to Trento, but uh, I would have to say that also the students, the young people, gathered at your meetings, really extraordinary persons. And uh, uh, we, we have always sessions at the end of each uh, lecture. And uh, some of the most interesting uh, questions are being asked by them. So uh, that's something also we are going to miss this year, but uh, it's only a temporary absence. I'm sure that as of next year, uh, they will be back with us in Trento. Well, and we're going to have to figure out how to create a campground or something because the Young Scholars Initiative now has more than 15,000 members, and I'm sure they will be uh, coming out in droves to the region where the conference is excellent and the food and wine and hiking and tourism is excellent as well. <laughs> so this year, you, you have a series of guests and panels. We can talk a little bit about some of the things that I will be doing, but I'm curious, what it, just talk thematically and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the highlights of uh, what you what you've created well the overall title is uh, i would rephrase it as the state strikes back because during the pandemic uh, the state has been somewhat uh, invading our lives uh, it has been having a very strong uh, role 
uh, it has done that for good reasons, uh, determining also something that very much into our private lives and uh, intimate uh, decisions. Uh, it has done that because uh, the important thing was to uh, reduce the contagion rate and uh, prevent, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, reduce the mortality rates. Uh, and you know, the notion of externality is well into uh, a pandemic. You, know, you, you, uh, you have to be aware that by your behavior, you can condition welfare of other people. You can even kill the people. So you have to be extremely careful. And that's why government have to intervene so much into uh, our lives. Um, at the same time, uh, I think that uh, it was necessary to support uh, groups of the population that were particularly hardly hit by the economic consequences of the pandemic and uh, our safety nets were not well equipped to deal with these types of uh, uh, problems because, uh, for instance, many self-employed people, uh, small business entrepreneurs, in some countries, informal sector workers were very hardly hit. Uh, typically during a recession, it is more large firms, export-oriented activities suffering. This time it was completely different. And everything happened all of a sudden because from one day to another, these people were without work and incomes. So there was a lot of experimentation to take place and the state has to intervene and uh, implement new type of transfer, spend uh, more and public debt have been increasing very much. So now we have a state which is way more important in our lives and uh, it is also economically more relevant in terms of the spending uh, capacity uh, that has uh, increased and uh, the size of, of, of a public debt. Uh, and uh, it is precisely at this juncture that we have to think about the role of the state. Say, well, now there will be some reduction uh, in the role of the state, but uh, it's an opportunity to redesign where it should stay, where it should instead, uh, in a way, reduce its, its importance. And uh, at the same time, we have to make sure that the state becomes more efficient, the administration becomes, uh, that they become more efficient because otherwise the weight of this presence of a state is going to be unbearable for all of us. Yes. So the title is The State Fights Back. Did, is that the title of the conference? That sounds like yes. something George yes. Lucas from Star Wars would have thought of as a title. <laughs> and I think it's, uh, it's quite important here. Uh, I know, uh, for instance, one of the panels that INET uh, has contributed involves the former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, and he will be speaking about what he calls the change from a market economy to a market society and how values have to come from a place where the market is a tool in service of human values rather than the shaper of those values. And I know he gave a beautiful BBC set of lectures earlier this year, the Wreath Lectures, where he applied that conceptual and philosophical perspective to the great financial crisis, to the pandemic, and forward-looking, where he is a special envoy to the UN uh, on the questions and challenge of climate change, which is interesting because it's more than it's not only the state within the economy, but it's the integration across states for collaboration 
uh, in the realm of climate that I think is, is a formidable part of the challenge. Uh, Jayadi Ghosh and Joe Stiglitz, Michael Spence, Rohinton Madora, and others are part of this Commission on Global Economic Transformation at IDET. I think the name of their title is No One is Safe If Anyone is Unsafe. And the notion of uh, contagion, the notion of COVID variants and other things is bringing that logic home fiercely. And then the question of things like sovereign debt restructuring or uh, SDR allocations around the world when the common good, say, if Africa, which pays a very high risk premium to borrow, cannot use that equatorial region for climate and what you might call a sun-driven rather than carbon-driven uh, energy source, we will all suffer. So perhaps some of that public purse can be allocated for the public good to help those regions, like parts of Africa, that pay a very high risk premium, say, to relative to Scandinavia, where the sun isn't so strong, but the political systems appear to be uh, more trusted. So I think there are lots of different issues at these intersections, and I'm curious, uh, uh, you know, aside from INET, I know Mike Spence and I will talk about the relationship between technology, employment, social sustainability, and uh, what you might call some of the good news for economic development, as well as some of the challenges related to disruption with machine learning and automation taking place. So there, there are all kinds of uh, transformational challenges on the horizon. And INET will, how do you say, contribute to illuminating a handful. But let's talk about some of the others that you think are exciting. Well, well let, let me say first that we are so happy that you have been organizing these two events and we very much look forward to them because, uh, you know, Mark Carney is someone we have been trying for so many years to have yes. at this festival. Yeah. We are so happy to have him. Uh, and what's fascinating, year. let me just interrupt on Mark Carney because I did forget to say, one of my board members and founders, Bill Janeway, whose father wrote the book called his father Elliot Janeway wrote the book called The Struggle for Survival about the war preparation of FDR during World War II uh, or the prelude to World War II. And he's talking about the transformation of the society, like Silicon Valley being spawned by state support, like the war preparation. And so that he sees, how would I say, the state, I will say, not only fighting back, but fighting onward to. Uh, uh, bring climate change to a successful place. And he, he and Mark, I think, will see things eye to eye. But, but Bill brings this almost institutional history of the relationship between the state, the technology, and the market to the table. And uh, I, th I think he'll be a very important contributor as well. Absolutely. Now, there are, you know, some analogies between the immediate post-war period and the current situation, not only because of a number of casualties, we are have been unfortunately experiencing, but also because of the role of the state and also because of the inequalities that have been increasing. You know, also during the wars, there were the poor that were going to be were in the army and who were dying and there were people also becoming extremely uh, more rich, you know, as a result of the of, of the war, uh, you know, people working in the weapon industry and so on and so forth. So we had some, something similar happening also during this uh, pandemic. With, uh, uh, those that had, uh, you know, the luck, I mean, to some extent, to be uh, invested in online services that really 
uh, got uh, tremendous uh, gains uh, over this period where other people were suffering very much. So that's something we are going to also analyze with other uh, contribution. For instance, we we are going to have a discussion on, on a book uh, by David, uh, by uh, Ken uh, Sheev and David Savastage on uh, taxing the rich and uh, that will uh, indeed make this parallel between the fairness of the tax systems uh, uh, today and uh, and those that uh, were you know introduced uh, there was some some uh, in that case some taxation of the of the of the of the, of the, of the asset of the very rich to, to be done in that context and that's something it's perspective that we're going to talk about but uh, going back also to the overall topic of the of the of the contagion of the pandemic and of the fact that uh, nobody's safe until someone is unsafe. Uh, the opening lecture of the festival will be by Michael Kramer. And uh, Michael Kramer, as uh, you know, Nobel laureate uh, 2019, has been uh, very much in investigating in his, in his work and his research uh, the issue of the market for vaccines. And uh, he's going to bring his, his own perspective on this issue uh, and uh, also about the various proposals that have been uh, put forward in this respect from the, the one by the Biden administration and uh, uh, those that are more endorsed by the European Union. Um, and uh, uh, we'll also make a recommendation as to really make sure that uh, these developed countries do have access to a sufficient uh, uh, number of, of vaccines. And, uh, uh, but this, uh, this goes through. And the interesting thing is that uh, not only there will be his lecture, but there was also a dialogue at the end of his lecture with Mino Rapuoli, who is the head of research at uh, one of the most important multinational in the production of the vaccine, uh, uh, GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, and um, uh, so I think we are going to have a, a discussion on this issue that is not only be based on economic principle, generally speaking, but also on very pragmatic issues because Rapoli uh, represents that world, so knows exactly how things work in that context. One of the issues that people are uh, working with is what I'll call the regeneration of trust in the state. In the United States, obviously, Donald Trump became president in part through his criticism of all, all forms of power, that people were despairing. And he acknowledged the dysfunction. And some have said that, uh, you know, they, they look back in the United States to someone like John Kennedy, who as president tried to inspire people to believe in the state and to achieve things. And I know Mariam Mazzaccaro has written a book called The Mission Economy about the moonshot and deciding together through the government to do something that we had not heretofore imagined that we could accomplish can then generate at least, uh, how do you say, some satisfaction and some belief that the state has a role to play. So I think these kind of questions of uh, the, uh, you know, in, in the old days, some people were romantic about the unfettered free market some were romantic about state central planning. And now I get the impression that people are cynical about both, particularly in a world where there's not much antitrust enforcement. So you experience monopolistic profit extraction rather than uh, what the economists would call perfect competition. But uh, what other elements related to state uh, functioning 
do you focus on across the spectrum of conversations that will be held there? What you were saying is extremely important. Uh, there will be a lecture by Luigi Zingales uh, exactly on trust and on uh, civic attitudes of the population and uh, uh, also looking at uh, what has been the experience with enforcement of the restriction related to the contagion. It's not easy uh, for people to understand why they should uh, do all of these things and uh, you know, not invite people for dinner at home not get out, uh, you know, without uh, having a mask and, uh, you know, all these restrictions were not easy to swallow uh, for many people and, uh, but uh, that also was somehow a measure of the, of the degree of civilism uh, of, of various population and that's something we are going to talk very much uh, during the festival also for, for, from other speakers. Um, we are going to talk a lot about uh, public investment because uh, clearly um, so, uh, currently in Europe there is uh, this uh, plan and also in the US where there are huge plans for uh, public investment and public infrastructure. Uh, most of these investments are also related to the, uh, uh, to the environmental uh, transition, so they clearly try to a uh, green growth type of, of investments. Uh, at the same time, you have to really make sure that uh, money is spent well that uh, there is no risk of corruption and that uh, 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 you know the, there is a sound competition in the private sector about those who should get this money. So we, we are going to give particular attention to procurement policies of government and we are going to have a, 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 a lecture by Professor Milgram who uh, just uh, gained the, the Nobel Prize for, for his uh, studies uh, uh, on, uh, on the design of auction, uh, also related to the public sector. Uh, so that is something also that we are going to have this, this edition of the, of the, of the festival. Um, another issue that uh, uh, I think it will be uh, in many uh, uh, lectures at the festival this year is related to the information that is being gathered by government. And uh, the important that this information has in uh, guiding uh, sound uh, economic policies. So the idea that, that is, has been always the festival, that you should uh, promote and support uh, uh, evidence-based uh, economic policies. Uh, uh, all editions of the festival have been on that. And we now have a series of lectures, which is entitled to uh, uh, my friend uh, Alan Kruger, who unfortunately is no longer with us, uh, who has been uh, you know, investing all of his life in, in, in doing this type of uh, studies and analysis. And this year we are going to have his uh, uh, co-author and uh, uh, David Card. He, he will be uh, presenting, indeed, indeed, indeed. He will present something on affirmative action and based on, on this idea of the, of the, of the evidence-based policy. Sometimes people are a bit concerned about the fact that uh, researchers and government collect this information, use the information for research. They are concerned about violation of privacy rules and uh, these type of things. So we decided this year also to uh, talk about uh, privacy because uh, that's also another important dimension of the role of the state uh, to guarantee that uh, there is no violation of the privacy of individuals. Um, uh, and uh, this is something that will be addressed by Jean Tirol, uh, also in the Nobel Prize, and uh, he has a very nice uh, 
perspective on, 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 on this issue, on the rules that should be adopted uh, to address uh, the concern of the, of the population about, about this. Um, another uh, lecture I'm very much looking forward to is, is the one that is going to be given by Olivier Blanchard. Um, um, you know, governance will come out of the, of, the, of the pandemic with very large public debt. And uh, clearly under this uh, condition, uh, the rules, the fiscal rules that have been defined at the European level for the Eurozone uh, cannot uh, be, uh, cannot, uh, you know, are, have to be reformed, have to be revisited because they cannot really be enforced. You know, they were developer countries that have for, for most the public debt to GDP ratio lower than 60%. Uh, now we are going to have many countries that well above 100 uh, percent of, uh, of, of GDP, and therefore you have to reconsider this. And uh, Olivier has very interesting ideas about about this. That's I think is going to be. A, he will talk a, about this fiscal architecture for the for the eurozone, and uh, uh, that I think is going to be another very high point in in the festival this year. Well, a lot of people are very concerned about accumulation of debt, and uh, you know my propensity to relate to music. Uh, the song that uh, I used for a webinar on that is, I, I think I'm turning Japanese, an old rock and roll song, because everybody sees Japan's debt to GDP ratio, and they think that's, that's the trajectory that we're on, and obviously studying Japan very closely to see how they navigate these challenges. It, uh, I think uh, my, own, my own sense is that you have a broad array of people. One that uh, I think Mike Spence will, will uh, speak on behalf of is Chen Long, who is uh, the director of the Luhan Academy, uh, working with Jack Ma in China, who's issued a very interesting report about, in essence, a little bit like Jean Theron, the, the dangers of invasion of privacy, but the benefits of big data and the responsiveness of economic institutions in government to having better quality and more timely information. And uh, so there, there's kind of a, uh, what you might say, a yin and a yang to everything. And uh, yet people in this period of profound transformation on so many frontiers experience a lot of fear. But I think, I think Mike will bring us uh, to see what you might call the possibility in conjunction with the fear and, uh, uh, and Chen Long's work, which Mike Bent Holdstrom and some others, work, uh, Chris Pissirides, another Nobel laureate, all worked together with them on that report. And uh, I think Mike will illuminate those findings uh, in, in one session. Well, you know, we are so happy always to have Mike. Uh, Mike has been also to previous edition of a festival, but he's always uh, a, a very important, uh, uh, you know, always because he's bringing in uh, this report he's working on. And, uh, so that's really uh, giving a, a very broad perspective and having the, the big picture, you know, something mm -hmm. that often is like. Yeah, he, he combines the contribution curiosity. He combines this curiosity regarding upcoming things that are not yet envisioned with a great deal of wisdom and, and patience in, in comprehending the scenarios. And uh, he reminds me of a man I have met a couple of times named Peter Schwartz, who wrote a book called The Art of the Long View, about how you, 
improve your performance by imagining scenarios, some of which will never materialize, but being ready to comprehend transformation. And I don't think I've ever discussed that book with Mike, but he embodies that sensibility. Indeed. No, that's, that's right. Yes, this long-term view, but it's very important on development, on growth. That's a very important uh, issue. At the festival, we are going to have also people who are very close to policy making, if not policy makers themselves. Uh, we are going to have uh, Commissioner Gentiloni, uh, he's an economic commissioner at, uh, for the uh, European uh, Union, uh, the European Commission. Um, uh, we are going to have also person working very close to uh, both in a way uh, 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 having a very important role in, 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 in funding and in supporting uh, countries that are experiencing difficulties in uh, funding their, their debt, because you have to take into account that there are also countries in Latin America and elsewhere that are really facing serious problems in this respect. In particular, we are going to have Gita Kopinat, who is the chief economist of, of the IMF, uh, also providing his, her perspective on on this, uh, on, on this, uh, on, on, on these issues, and uh, uh, various ministers from the Italian uh, government, those who are more heavily involved into the uh, definition of the recovery plan, uh, 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 in particular those working on environmental issues, uh, like uh, Minister Cingolani, or those working on the digital transformation, as uh, uh, Minister Colau. Uh, uh, former CEO of Vodafone, for those of you who. So I think it's, it's going to have a, dis a discussion in Trento that is, uh, again, not uh, uh, in the people, you know, just leaving the ivory tower for a second and then going back to the ivory tower, but it is something that will be extremely pragmatic and uh, really dealing with the, 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 the important issue. We want to be concrete. It's not time to have uh, for for you know, big uh, f and vague uh, thinking. It's really a time for pragmatic thinking. Yeah, be being uh, insightful and being helpful to the changes yeah. that are that practically we are how do I say uh, upon us. And uh, and I think there is a sense of urgency to alleviate the anxiety that the pandemic and some other aspects of social sustainability have. Uh, Amplified that 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 fear that uncertainty. What what's the do you have panels uh, or discussions of the role of migration in this year's program? I know it's been a big concern in Italy in recent years. Yes, now we are going to talk also about uh, migration, uh, although it has been addressed also in previous edition of the festival to a large extent. But certainly there, there are concerns also in this uh, in this uh, in this uh, in this respect. Uh, we are going to have a, a panel discussion and lecture on the uh, income distribution and uh, policies, uh, trying to uh, to make sure that uh, uh, you know there is a, a fair uh, organization of a tax system. Some countries are indeed reforming their tax systems. Uh, just after the pandemic, we are going to have, for instance, a lecture by Thomas Piketty on on, on this uh, on this issue. Um, and uh, so I think many of, of this of this topic will be uh, will be considered and addressed during the, the festival. And uh, I guess uh, I'll, I'll 
how do I say, acknowledge some American curiosity, which is uh, when we talk about the nation state in the era of globalization, uh, there are questions that people ask. I, I know Joe Stiglitz and Danny Roderick and our Commission on Global Economic Transformation are addressing many of these uh, issues. In essence, whether the Treaty of Westphalia uh, obtains anymore in an area where it takes nanoseconds to transfer money and technology has uh, got wings and people are not just factors of production, but citizens and that's why I asked about migration. There's often what you might call political congestion in the migration, migratory dynamic. But what I guess uh, a lot of people are very curious about on an ongoing basis from America is in Europe, you each have a nation, but you also have a European Union. And it's not quite the same as our country that has a federal government and then state and local disciplines, but free migration within entirely. Uh, we all pay federal taxes and so forth. Uh, and I've, I've sensed in recent years that what you might call there may be a tension from a sort of orthodox model that people associate with Germany, particularly vis-a-vis -vis some of the countries like Portugal, Spain, and the South. And uh, are, are there sessions, I guess this is a long-winded way of framing the question, but are there sessions about the relationship between the EU and the stresses in the particular sub-places within the EU, the so-called, how do you say, the little countries within the big system? Um, well, that's something that has been, uh, is, is a very uh, controversial issue. Uh, uh, and one where uh, it's very difficult to reach an agreement at the European level. I would say that there had been progress in uh, the, uh, in a way, the uh, within the eurozone in the uh, managing of, of the crisis in the solidarity you know the uh, recovery fund uh, and uh, the fact that uh, uh, that uh, the, uh, the europe has uh, started to have uh, its own capacity to raise uh, funds from the market by issuing bonds and uh, at the european level that has been really major development uh, one of those that we call hamilton moments because they really uh, are indication of the of the change in the uh, uh, in in the way uh, uh, the, uh, the this uh, you know this the, the, this uh, European Union works and operates uh, on migration. Instead, I think we are very far still from uh, having a common approach, and uh, the countries that are at the border, as you were mentioning before, are still. Uh, uh, somewhat left uh, behind and uh, not uh, supported adequately by the other countries. I mean, that's something that uh, uh, has to be addressed. Uh, it's a very sensitive issue uh, um, in the countries in the eastern part of Europe. Uh, there is a very strong uh, uh, xenophobic attitude and uh, elsewhere as well. It's, uh, it's very hard to, uh, uh, to have a a pragmatic uh, view of, 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 of migration. Um, so that uh, is something that more is needed. Clearly, we will talk about that also with Commissioner Gentiloni, but, uh, but uh, uh, I don't think that we are ready at, uh, right now for 
really a European approach to the issue of international migration. And that's a pity because uh, right now this problem is coming out again quite, quite, uh, quite uh, seriously. I remember in years past when I've been at the Trento Festival, there has been concern about um, the need to assist refugees and inward migrants, but in, rather than being an EU system-wide thing, they expected Italy to bear what you might call the fiscal burden because of its, how we say, proximity to the seashore where these things took place. And then on the other side, they were applying strict discipline on the debt issuance. So it felt like you were spending something for the whole community, housing and taking care of migrants, and then being challenged by the tough cops about the fiscal uh, implications of that. And I, there was a sense of what we might call injustice because uh, the whole system perhaps should have shared the bill and, and the burden. And Italy so was, was under yeah, too much pressure. Yeah, the border state should not be left alone. I mean, in, in running this, uh, this type of, uh, of issues, definitely, I fully agree with, with you. Certainly, that that is something that uh, should be sooner or later be addressed. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this again in also future edition of the festival because that's a problem that will deal with us for for quite a long time, and it's not a, one easy to solve. Uh, absolutely. We are going to have also some perspective, as you were talking about uh, different types of capitalism. Uh, we are going to have uh, Branko Milanovic, uh, who is uh, going to talk about uh, the Asian versus the Western model of capitalism. And uh, also Philippe Aguillon uh, uh, is, is going to, uh, to, to really state uh, what, in his view, uh, means to have uh, a better type of, of capitalism his ideas of, of, of a better type of, of capitalism. I think that's also very interesting uh, uh, part of the, uh, the lecture that uh, will take place this year. But I think, Tito, you know, I look over the long history of this uh, conference and I have tremendous affection. I began, I guess, by a man who mentored me in graduate school from the vantage point of the Institute for Advanced Studies was Axel Leyenhoofit. And Axel was in Trento, at Trento University. He ran a summer school. My wife and I came and spent time up in the Dolomite regions with he and his wife. He got INET involved, or he got me involved with the board of that prior to INET, and then was very enthusiastic about the economic festival, which became a great source of joy and inspiration and, and subsequently contribution for INET. And uh, I thought the greatest compliment that I've heard over this 10 or 12 years, 13 years of appearing in your region and visiting the conference and then contributing it was when I brought the British uh, senior fellow, Lord Adair Turner, to give a speech in the Opera House one night and he gave a, he's a very good orator, but he gave an excellent speech. And he walked off the stage and he said to me, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Rob, I never thought the words economics and festival could be in the same phrase. And yet they do belong together here. This has just been a beautiful experience. And I, that 
that moment with Adair and his being touched by the power of what you've created, the enthusiasm, the sophistication, the quality of the food, the hospitality in and around town, which obviously I won't be able to touch base with this year. I'm going to go out to a New York wine store and get a bottle of Trentino Lagrain wine just to be feeling closer to you. But uh, but it's it's such a warm and enthusiastic experience. I've often heard remarks from my young scholars that they go to a dinner, maybe finish dinner at 10 o'clock at night and they're walking back to where they're staying and they go through the central square and there are big screens and people are cheering and you think there must be the replay of a soccer game on. But it isn't a soccer game. It's people with red wine and pizza and pasta standing up and cheering for the day's highlights from the speakers from your conference. And the enthusiasm of the local people, the enthusiasm of the international people and the quality of the scholars make this year after year after year just an extraordinary experience. And I know people in parts of China and India who often say, why don't we have a Trento festival like that in our countries? So you've created something remarkable. And I, you yourself, year after year, session after session, have been remarkable. And you, I just, I think I it's just Trento, really... It's Trento. it's Trento to be that. And uh, we have to be grateful to the people in Trento, to the administration in Trento, to the University of Trento, and uh, yes. to all our speakers, to you. This is really why we are doing uh, so well. And I agree with you, this is a democratic forum. It's not mm -hmm. like Davos or all these places. We do have people uh, comparable mm -hmm. importance and relevance, right. but uh, they come and they talk to people. And uh, the nice thing yeah. is that you walk from one event to the other. I have to, because uh, I yeah. really have to make sure that everything is going well. And uh, there are people stopping me and asking me the, the question. and. Uh, so it's very yeah. nice. That's really yes. uh, Yeah, when I've been on panels there, I'm sitting afterwards at an outdoor cafe and young people come up to me and want to talk about their curiosity because maybe somebody didn't get to their question. There's, it's just, it's an enthusiasm that goes on for, several, for four days. This year, I believe, is June 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yes. Uh, but it's an extraordinary experience and it will be electronically too because yes. of the it will spirit. be very much on streaming we have been investing very much on streaming clearly during the pandemic because uh, but this year we are also going to have back uh, uh, the public at, at uh, clearly with mm -hmm. a lot of restrictions Super. but uh, but uh, in the room we will have also people which is very nice Excellent. You know, I know Excellent. that also because I'm a university professor teaching without the students, without people in front of you is not nice. Uh, so yes. as of this year, we are going to back, be yes. back to that. And I'm sure next year, everything will be back to normal by all means. And so I'm looking forward to meeting you there. Very good. I'm, I've already got it on my calendar. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it. But yeah. anyway, thanks for exploring today. And uh, on June 3rd, I'll see you on camera and uh, the fun will begin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And check out more from the Institute for New Economic Thinking at ineteconomics.org. And I'll tell it and speak it and think it and breathe it And reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it 
And I'll stand on the ocean until I start sinking But I'll know my song well before I start singing